You may be seated. Our scripture for today reads as such. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Aphrodites from Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth, and they had lived there ten years. Both Malon and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So as we're going through the Bible, um, we're now to the book of Ruth. And the book of Ruth starts out with this tragedy um, that we talked about. And as I was thinking about what this family feels like in the first five verses of the book of Ruth, having every bit of protection stripped from them, I couldn't help but think of the creatures that my children, when the summer warms up, tend to find um, hiding underneath the deck or under a rock or they'll move our basketball goal and they'll come inside bright-eyed and overjoyed that they've found these little treasures, which are creatures, and invariably they're looking like this and the creatures are looking like this, right? (laughs) Because... All of these creatures are hiding because their bodies are fragile, um, because they are vulnerable. And so the rock or the basketball goal or hiding under the deck provides them some sanctuary and some shelter. And when I think about the family, Elimelech and Naomi and their two sons, their protection is being ripped from them in these first five verses of the book of Ruth. Quickly, in rapid succession, they go from a full family to Naomi utterly bereft. So first they lose their hometown of Bethlehem and their home country because there's a famine. Then when they get to the land of Moab, Elimelech, who's the patriarch, the provider and the protector of this family, dies. Um, And then the two sons marry. There's hope there. The line will continue. Um, But we hear that they too die. And so Naomi will say, that she left full, but God is bringing her back empty. That her last protection and her last hope, not only for just being loved right now and having her family with her, but for any kind of a future is gone. And she renames herself bitter. That's her name. When she says, I rename myself Mara, in Hebrew that means bitter, so that any time anyone calls out to her, they're going to have to say, bitter. Because all she is expecting from life at this point when everything is ripped from her is bitterness. And all she can see is that God's fist is set against her. So thank God for Ruth. Because though Naomi thinks God has abandoned her and his fist is against her and God is doing this, God graciously gives her this woman named Ruth who is her Moabite daughter-in-law. Now, good Hebrew boys didn't marry Moabite women, okay? 
This was not like, I hope, son, someday you will marry a Moabite. Nobody said that in Israel because Moab was the enemy of Israel. And Moabite women, they worshiped a different God. And they would, so good families would say, stay away from those women. They might look attractive and whatever, but they're going to lead you astray. They're going to lead you away from God. And what we have here in the story is a woman who is from Moab who did worship a different God and who at this point makes a choice. And the choice is this. As they're on the road, Naomi is taking her two daughters-in-law, Orpha and Ruth, back to Bethlehem. Because what she's heard is that God has lifted the famine, and she has a choice. She can either starve in Moab, or she can starve in Bethlehem. And so she decides to go back to Bethlehem, because at least there the people will know her. Now, her prospects were not good, because in this day and age, if you were a widow, you hoped you had some sons who could take care of you. It's a patriarchal society. And so the men were the people who owned the property. They provided the protection. um, And without these protectors in her life, she's very vulnerable. And so a widow could either rely on her kids, or if she didn't have any kids or grandkids, she could eke by an existence based on charity handouts from the rest of the family or from her community. She could sell herself as a slave. Sometimes her children, if they were young, so that they would have food, or she could turn to prostitution. Those were her options. And so Naomi is hoping that by going back to Bethlehem, there at least people will know her and they might take more pity on her than in Moab. And Ruth and Orpha are required to go with her. They have been similarly stripped of their protection. But though Naomi is bitter, she's kind. And so as they're walking on the journey, she realizes, I can imagine her thinking, my life may be over now, but theirs doesn't have to be. So she tells them, my daughters, I love you. Go back to your father's house, right, to that protection. You can marry again, and you can have a life. Ahead of me is bitterness. And they cry, but, she, but Naomi is insistent, and so Orpha turns around, but Ruth stands firm. Naomi says, Ruth, go home. You can have a future. And Ruth says in one of the most beautiful um, words of devotion that are written in our scriptures, she says something that some of you probably have written on your wedding bands. She says, don't urge me to leave you. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, there I will die, and I will be buried. And this last part, it's not hyperbole. Ruth isn't saying, I'll die there with you. She's not exaggerating this to make a point. That is really what they're facing, is that both of them could die in Bethlehem. And in saying to Naomi, I'm going with you, I'm going to follow you, no matter what, Ruth is leaving her last protection. 
She's leaving her country, her father's house, and the people who know her. And as a widow with her widowed mother-in-law, venturing into this unknown and quite frankly hostile place called Israel. She has never been more vulnerable or alone. But at the same time, for the first time ever, she's calling on the protection of God. She's sheltering under his wings. So she's saying, even though all of this is gone, God will protect me. Now, what did this foreign woman know of God? I mean, her God, Chimiseth, he was the God of war. What did she know of our God? Well, I suspect that Malon, when they were eating Passover, and she's like, why is this unleavened? Why, why don't we have leaven in this bread? It tastes so much better if you let it rise. And I suspect her family, while they were all still alive, said, this is the bread of deliverance. Our ancestors were slaves in Egypt, and God brought us out and defeated the most powerful army on earth and promised to give us a land, the land that we're living in now. And we, were, we spent 40 years wandering around in the desert, and every day God fed us. And we were never without water. And when we got into the promised land, we were so scared because we were so much lesser than all the armies against us. But God parted the Jordan River for us. And we marched around Jericho, and the walls fell down. Stories of God. I wonder if she heard the story of Rahab. That foreign woman who was within the walls of Jericho but had faith in God. And so God preserved her and made her a part of the family. I wonder if these stories are what Ruth is relying on when Naomi says, God is set against us. Ruth is saying, I'm staying with your God. He's my God. And may the God who provided manna and deliverance and freedom protect us. And so they go to Israel, to Bethlehem. You probably know that name. That's where they were from. And they start, Ruth especially tries to make a living, tries to do what her husband would have been doing, what Elimelech, her father-in-law, would have been doing. Only she can't own the field or plant the crops. All she can do is glean. And what gleaning is, is it's following behind the workers. The men would take a flint, um, Sith, I guess, is scythe. Am I saying it right? And they say it for me. Scythe. Okay. We don't know. Yeah, something like that. They, that curved knife, they would take it and chop things down, chop all the stalks of grain. Then the women would come through and bundle it up and take it over to be threshed, like Trent was talking about last week. Now, what happens when you get your laundry out of the dryer? And you have it all in your arms and it's a big load and you always lose what? A sock, right? And you're like, oh, it falls out and you have to go put it down and then come back and gather up the little dribbles of socks that have fallen out as you've, done, as you've gathered up your laundry. That's gleaning, okay? It's the little socks that fall that the poor and the widows and the foreigners would come behind the workers and they'd pick up the scraps. And they'd try to, instead of a giant armful, by the end of the day, they try to have a handful. 
And what God had said way back at before the people even had land is when you do have land, you have to let the poor and the foreigners and the widows pick up the little scraps. You have to have compassion for them. Now, this was the time of the judges, which Trent so well told us last week was a scary and frightening time. A time when people were lawless, when they didn't care what God said. And so even though God says, leave these scraps for the poor, it's highly likely that when Ruth gets to the field, they won't want her there. And if anyone did harm to Ruth, who will stand up on her behalf and say that's wrong? The only protection she has is God. So we hear in this story that in the midst of this danger, Ruth goes to a field. It turns out to be the field of a relative. Not only that, but it's the kind relative. She didn't plan it. That's God protecting her. And this man says, his name is Boaz, and he says, who does that woman belong to? Do you see who's, what he's asking? He's asking how she related. Why is this Moabite in my field? And the foreman says, well, that's Ruth, Naomi's daughter-in-law. She's come back. She's been trying to provide for those two. She works so hard. We see her up here before it's light. And they talk about her noble character. And Boaz says, well, I want her to keep staying here, give her a drink of water when she needs it. And he goes and talks to her and says, never leave this field. It's not safe. Whenever we move on, follow my harvester so you will be safe. I've told him not to hurt you. And you can have a drink when you want it. And he shares his food. And Ruth is overjoyed. And this is what, well, I'm just going to quote it to you because Greg took my Bible. <laughs> Thank you. Good save, good save. He said, she said, or Boaz says to Ruth, May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Boaz is saying, there is room under God's wings for Ruth, the Moabite, the widow. And that not only is there room there, but may God watch over her. Just like he would watch over one of his own people, because she has become one of his people. And so Ruth takes her, her grain back that day and shows Naomi, bitter, shows Mara, what she has. It's 22 liters. Naomi is like, where have you been? Oh, this guy named Boaz? She says, he is one of our closest relatives and a good man. Keep going back there. So for two and a half months, every day, there Ruth is in the fields of Boaz harvesting, gleaning, getting enough food. Well, time passes, they do fall in love, and Ruth proposes to Boaz. Yes. Read the book. She proposes to him, and when she proposes, she says, spread your wing over me, if you will. It's also the word for garment in Hebrew, but she uses his same terminology, spread your wing over me. And he says, I would love to. Now, it comes at a great sacrifice for him, a financial outlay. He has to buy the property of all those dead relatives. And then when he marries Ruth, 
their first child, their first son, won't be his son, they'll actually carry the name of Elimelech's family. So there's actually a, a redeemer, they're called kinsman redeemer, who's closer in, um, closer to be able to redeem, right? He's more closely related. He won't do it. Because it, the sacrifice to do this is so great. He's like, I'm not endangering my line for that. I'll take the property, but I'm not marrying Ruth. Boaz says, I'll do that. And so they get married. And they do have a child. And they place the child into Naomi's arms. And that's why all the townspeople say to Naomi, you have a son. Because this child has been born into her family line. The family line she thought was over, God has restored. So that woman feels God's wings of protection spreading over her. I know there are times in our lives whether it's right now or whether it's sometimes in the future, where we feel vulnerable, afraid, maybe even like God's fist is against us. But that's not true. It's not true that God is ever against you. God is always for you. God is always the one who rescues and redeems and transforms. And even in the darkest time, if we can say, God, the future, everything I thought is gone. Stay with me. Then we will find that God does what God always does which is bring good out of bad. If we could say God is excellent at one thing and God is excellent at a lot of things, it's redeeming the bad if we will let him. We have to let him. And that's what Ruth was doing. So we see not only will God redeem the bad of the people who know his name, but people from the outside, far outside, that's the point. Israel is not supposed to be the chosen people of God and God wants everybody else dead. God wants Israel to be singing a song of redemption so strong and so beautiful that all the nations around want to get under the wings of their creator. That's the point. And so we have Ruth, who's a Moabite, who's built into the story of God. There's a book named after her in our Bible. And we have Boaz. Did y'all know that Boaz is the son of Rahab, the prostitute in Jericho? The book of Matthew says when they're talking about Jesus' genealogy, Boaz and Ruth. And, oh, by the way, Boaz was the son of Rahab. That's not a fun childhood. But Boaz was able to let God redeem that. So he becomes a man of standing, but when he sees that outsider, he knows exactly how that feels. And he's able to show her compassion, and they fall in love. And so who is built into the story of God's salvation? Boaz, the son of a prostitute, and Ruth, a Moabite. So it's not just that if God calls you, you're going to become Moses 
or Joshua or Gideon is that you could live a faithful life as Boaz, as Ruth, and become a part of God's story. Because see, Obed is the father of Jesse, and Jesse's youngest son is called David. And David is the greatest king in Israel's history. And his great-grandparents went through some of the greatest trials we have in the Bible, right? But God's wings wrapped over them, redeemed them, protected them, not only for their generation were they blessed, but they sent that blessing on into the future to the king of Israel that everybody looks back to. And onward to Jesus, our Savior, our great Redeemer, who would look over the city of Jerusalem and say, how I have longed to wrap you in my wings, but you won't let me. So I would encourage us, God's not going to wrap us up by force. We have to invite him. So when the hurts come and the pains come and the future looks dark, God will never leave you. He'll wrap you up in his healing if you just ask. And he'll change your life today in such a way that you can send blessing into the future if you ask. Let's pray. God, we do ask like Ruth that we could take shelter underneath your wings. That no matter what life has done to us or people have done to us, you would be protecting us. You would be doing what you do so well, which is transforming the bad and making it work for good, just like you did for Ruth and Boaz. And so let us be part of your story, God, and let us be part of your redemption and take us under your wings. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.